You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What's up, everybody? Jacob Daniel here. This is the Daniel 3 Podcast. Um, I'm back in my normal setup, and God am I glad, because uh, uh, using my work laptop and my crappy mic uh, was getting old, um, so I'm happy to be back using a regular setup. Got a green screen behind me that I'm hoping my cat decides to not be an asshole about and knock over like he did when I was testing it out the other night. So um, if that happens, I'm just going to roll with it and act like uh, nothing happened. Um, so, uh, I'm excited to have, uh, two of my friends here tonight, so I'm not going to waste too much time. I'm just going to bring them on, uh, first bring up Jose Galison of the No Way Jose podcast. How you doing, Jose? Doing all right. Friends. I don't know. I think we, I didn't, I didn't think we were putting labels on this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just messing with you. You can't, you can't can't put a label on the love that we have. No, it's a, um, it's all good. Appreciate it. And then you. we got uh, James returning again from the uh, Blackbird podcast. James, thanks for uh, coming back on. Hey, how are you? Doing good. I was. Uh, how, cra- how many times have I been on your show now? Oh gosh, you you might be the most, or you I don't know, Jose's been on a couple times too. I don't know. Okay, because you is- were just talking to that one guy, uh, and I forgot his name. Forgive me. You said he was the first three time guest. I was like, I could have sworn I've been on three times, but that just might be like combined between our two shows because we do a lot. Yeah. Of- yeah, that was a John, uh, Joe Hartman. Um, I've had him on three times. I think you've yeah, you've good. only been on my show twice, but we've done four podcasts together. And okay. then I think right. me that and Jose sense. have done three or four between this, just different. This is probably my second or third time on your show, and I feel like I've had you probably on twice. I don't. Know, I feel like I know I had you on a solo episode in the very early days. Uh, yeah, it's, okay. it's kind of funny uh, that us three are here because like we were very involved in the early days of each other's podcasts um so yeah that, that's kind of cool that we're kind of coming full circle and we're all big time now <laughs> <laughs> i don't know only only one of us has gotten that uh dave smith boost so far so uh oh yeah he, he doesn't dude, talk to me anymore so it's all good <laughs> dude dave, dave like uh talks to me in like little spurts it'll be like one week it's like he's like talking to me like two or three days in a row and then it's like two months complete radio silence i'm just yeah. like yeah whatever do you want to just flex on us some more is that what you're doing here (laughs) (laughs) 
I know. I've yeah. never, I've never once received a DM from Dave. Although he did buy me a beer once. So well, awesome. my, my story with him is funny because actually, um, my start of my like, you know, like we're not like close, but like we we piano a little bit back and forth. It started because I actually took a shot at him like back in uh 2020. So it actually started out with like with us fighting, but then I apologized for being a dick, and then he was just like, "Ah, man, it's all cool." So. Yeah, uh, me, it, me and T- Top had a joke for a while. The best way to get get uh get Dave's attention is to call him a faggot. <laughs> I, and uh, I, 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 I shortly him, after he hit me up, but I don't think it was for that because it was totally joking. <laughs> I, I called him a a, a sissy crybaby. Um, <laughs> what I called him. Nice. So, yeah. I like that better actually. <laughs> oh, you know what? I did one time criticize him for having Nick Fuentes on the show, and he for told real? me that yeah, he told me that it was that I was like uh. Am I on the Thakertarians podcast? What the fuck just happened? No. <laughs> no, I I I think Nick I think Nick Fuentes has nothing interesting to say. Like oh, okay. I I, I don't grifter. I don't that's <laughs> I was I yeah, I mean I don't know if he's a corny grifter or not, but like the the times he's been on part of the problem, like have done nothing for me. Yeah, I don't find the interest. Other than the outrage, I don't find much interest. Right. In that's the thing. I mean it's yeah. like it's like it's like you guys using the N-word. Like why? It, it's just there's no, there's no, I will say there are times when it's funny and I will defend that to the death of me, but I'd say nine times out of 10 is not, if not even higher. So I do, I, I understand the critique because we, we talked about this at Tom Woods 2000 a little bit. Uh, there are times, like, I feel like if you're using it for shock value, like the thing about shock humor, like I, I have kids, so like they learn a, a naughty word or just something stupid like poop or fart. And it'll be funny like the <laughs> first time just because of the ridiculousness of it. But then like the 20th time you're like, all right, this is really fucking old. Like, yeah, you're cute, and you're you're saying you know a bad word or fart, but it's like it's lost all its effect. It's the same yeah. idea with like something like the N word or or. But there are definitely occasions where it's funny. Uh, I I like to think I think I've used it like maybe twice on Tower Gang, and I want to say it, it was it was well timed and it was good. I, I wish I could remember them. It was one of those like subverting expectations type things. I wasn't See, using it just to be offensive. That, the the N word doesn't bother me, but I gotta tell you, I got really tired of "white woman must be stopped" just because it got yeah, it so overdone. I was just like, and like I love Toad. I was like, dude, <laughs> and as a white woman, you were just no, and as a dude. I, I I I thought about uh, putting my uh, uh, what was that like little gender change picture up just as a joke because um, I was. What's what's funny is that um, I I shared that uh in a group chat with my family and my uh mom responded like why is why is your why is your sister with you it's funny because like my sister's a radical <laughs> my sister's a radical leftist who like won't hang out with anyone who's not vaccinated so oh my she God. was like and so yeah but basically i look like a, a male version of my uh, sister so if anyone wanted to know what she looks like um, i mean that's how genetics works so yeah makes sense um so <laughs> uh was, james i wanted to uh talk to you first a little bit um what is your experience like with your podcast because you're but can i just say like if anyone watching in my show right now please go subscribe to james show because i feel like your show is like criminally like under subscribed to especially on youtube um so maybe you don't care about youtube oh, I don't know, i'm but not I just... i'm not i'm not really using youtube like I, I i don't even know if i'm gonna be uploading the audio of it to youtube anymore um oh really i am i am uploading the video to odyssey now though but i'm putting it behind a paywall just because I don't know. It's a podcast. It's not a video show. Like I don't, I don't care if people are subscribed on YouTube. Um, although I could definitely use more subscribers and users. Just go to black blackbirdpodcast.com. It's right there in my name. Uh, <laughs> That's better than uh, oh, you guys will love uh, um, Adam earlier when I streamed with him. He uh, he put Adam Patrick and then 
Satan question mark in parentheses on his it's possible. title. It's possible. <laughs> um, so, but um, yeah. What what is your so what was your experience like starting the podcast? Why did you want to do it? And like, how do you feel now? Because uh, yeah, like, like Jose said earlier, like you, like we all kind of started like roughly around yeah. the same time. And so, like for me, it's been like kind of hardcore full time for like a little over a year now. Um, so uh, let's start with you. Like, what's your experience been like? Um, how, how have you changed things? Uh, it, you know, I know you kind of went through a little bit of a transition um, with your show as well. So maybe you want to, you know, explain that a little bit too in your answer. Yeah. Well, okay. So I went to the LP convention last year in Orlando and I came back from it um, completely down on the LP. And so I decided like after, after Pete Quinones said that he was an agorist, I said, okay, well, I guess maybe that's what I am. And I started reading Conkin and I was like, yeah, that, that, that seems about right. Uh, so I started this urban agorist podcast and then I had Vin Armani on the show. Um, and he wrote this article about this guy who he, who interviewed him. He didn't use my name, but you know, it was obviously me. He quoted me and everything, uh, and called me an armchair agorist. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of am like the, the gardening does not an agorist make. Uh, and then I realized that agorist praxis is great, but the philosophy isn't quite all there. Um, you just have to, you just have to look at Twitter, um, to see that, um, agorism, like a lot of kind of dogmatic ideologies is, I don't know. It's not workable, I guess it, the, it's utopian. I think, and Jose, you can probably come back with something, but um, I, mean, I I disagree a little bit, obviously. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think, uh, think that I I I don't think that agorism is the way to bring down the state, but I don't know if bringing down the state is really what the goal is anyway. So I kind of moved away from agorism. I changed the name of the podcast to Blackbird because I really just wanted um, something to help me and my audience be more productive and successful and. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably probably it. Um, Blackbird obviously was named after the the Beatles song, and I think I've probably told this story on this show before, so I don't want to get too in depth. I don't think you have actually, because I think what's funny is I feel like I've meant to ask you about why you named oh, it Blackbird, sure. and I feel like I never have. I mean, I feel like it's part of that like spread your wings and learn to fly sort of thing is what you were mm. going for, but I, yeah, I it's the, there's there so the Blackbird song it's got like take these sunken eyes and learn to see and take these broken wings and learn to fly, yeah. and so that's what that's what we're kind of doing is learning to fly and learning to see. Uh, you, you know, I mean, how to how to perceive the world in ways that we might not have perceived it prior to now, and now being like this weird kind of era that we're that we're entering into, or you know, might just be on the down on the downslope of. I don't I don't really know where we're at. Um. So that so that's that that's where we are now. I I've interviewed like all the big names except for Dave and Michael Michael Malice uh, and. So that's cool. But I, what I really get a lot of joy out of is interviewing people. Nobody, nobody in our communities have heard of. Um, so like I've had a yoga instructor on, I've had a, uh, a bunch of entrepreneurs. Um, the other night I interviewed this Christian lady who, who struggles with mental illness. So we were talking about like faith and grace and um, overcoming that kind of thing. Uh, you that dumb Christian and- anarchist on. I've had you on a bunch. Yeah, uh, but I was trying. I was trying to make a joke. <laughs> what did you did you say? I dumb? You had, 
I think that yeah, I said you had that dumb Christian anarchist. Oh yeah, it's yeah. true. I have I've had him on before. Um, I don't know. So that's kind of that's kind of it. We're right now. I'm kind of on an entrepreneur bent. So like every second or third episode or so is someone who's built a successful business or is some kind of you know consultant or coach or whatever. Um, because I've kind of I've kind of ideologically moved beyond agorism and LP and wealth power and influence and all that to uh, where now I'm just kind of, I don't know. You interviewed Adam Patrick earlier. Did he mention the anarch kind of thing? No, no. Okay. We, we, we had a much more uh, uh, like debate about religion versus libertarianism. So, Oh, oh well, <laughs> <laughs> so the the anarch is um it's sort of the conception of this guy named Ernst Jünger uh he wrote he wrote a novel that's i guess it's more like the journal of this guy in a dystopian sci-fi future jose i recommended it to you the other day yep. um I put, my, my, I put it in my uh, list to watch i i have a giant stack of books but it's definitely one that really caught my interest it was a good yeah it was, it's it was, yeah it's phenomenal it's probably the the slowest book i've ever read um it's it's kind of like equal parts political philosophy and then just like ob observation and judging people. Uh, and this, you know, so, I mean, this guy is sort of a insider in the regime of the monarch or dictator or despot, however you want to categorize the guy uh, in this city state in the distant future. And he is like the nighttime bartender in his, in his little salon. Um, so he gets to hear all the conversations, including the drunken conversations that this guy has with his advisors and, you know, other heads of state and things like that. Um, and he's taken on this ideology called uh, anarch. It, it's not anarchism. It's sort of the opposite of anarchism. Um, it's kind of like, you know how like a monarchist is someone who believes in monarchy, but a monarch is the actual person who rules. An anarchist is someone who believes in anarchy the anarch is the person who actually doesn't have a ruler and sounds like the, <laughs> yeah it is exactly like that it's it's heavily influenced by sterner um nick i'm i think i'm getting to where i'm at the like third evolution actually if the lp is you know the baby pokemon and the agorist is like the the intermediate then i'm at the third one and I, i'm sorry i don't know that i don't know the lingo of pokemon because that's gay but uh <laughs> well uh, <laughs> so that's where that's where i feel like i'm at right now um obviously it doesn't have all the answers but it certainly it certainly is a good way to kind of break down some of the kind of seemingly arbitrary qualms that i've had with statists and statism and that sort of thing holy okay. jingles <laughs> So, uh, Jose, what's your experience uh, been like, I guess, like, you know, from what you and then like also like when you started your podcast, you also did it in the context of uh, a group that we were all kind of a part of that, like, I'm kind of sad as sort of like not really been active anymore. But there was yeah. the Liberty Movement Facebook group and you kind of started the podcast in in that context. And then you didn't really have like a big change, but you kind of like dropped uh, trying to attach it to that project and mm. have started doing different things. So, yeah. uh, kind of go over like your journey from, you know, you know, over a year ago to where you're at now. Uh, yeah. I mean, when I started, like it was an outlet of the group called the Liberty movement. 
I think uh, I do think it had, was a good idea. I, I think it was kind of founded in concepts uh, that we're kind of see play out now. Because uh, I mean, we I, I we had a conglomerate of different concepts that went into that. But like I was, you know, of the agro spend at that time, I wasn't impressed with the LP, and that's kind of why we started that Liberty Movement project. And, the, and like we, it was multifaceted. But the the big thing for me is I wanted to make it like a essentially a like for people of a similar ilk to us to, to have like a, I wanted to make like a chapter thing, but not be political. Uh, just more like a group, kind of almost like what Freedom Cells was doing. And I knew Freedom Cells was doing at the time. We had a little bit of a different bent, but I also was kind of the idea that like the more people attacking this idea, this concept, the, the better it'll be. And so in my head, I guess I almost see it as like a failed venture, but I don't see it as failed because I see it as like more brain power attacking that. And you can kind of learn from that. And that's kind of what I, it seems to be. I haven't looked into, um, but uh, the uh, wealth, power and influence. I forget what his thing is. Do you remember what his thing's called, James? You, you'd probably do what a uh, Stapleton's thing. He's a network he's got going on. Oh yeah. You know? The, uh, the, fuck, the, the people that move around. Um, nomad. nomad. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, I mean, and so he's doing that. And I, so I do think it's like, we kind of in a small way kind of uh, dipped our toes and that got people, friendly to that idea because i do like the idea of uh of us creating that because i'm i'm still the i'm still don't really see the really i don't see much of a purpose in political involvement you guys all know that i still i mean there, i'm not saying there aren't benefits at all and there aren't things to be gained but i don't really i really the biggest thing of it the biggest thing people say is like oh it's a network it's a network oh we get to meet people who have similar ideas and it's like it's kind of the same argument to, i know this is a christian anarchist thing that's one of the common arguments people make about the church and i agree uh there is definitely something to the community aspect uh and that's where people come together on the libertarian side and then like say for the atheist argument people i was like oh well atheist you know you guys don't have that like inbuilt community and that's true i mean that's a uh, ironically what satanism really is it's just a bunch <laughs> yeah. of edgy a bunch of edgy atheists mostly that are looking for some sort of community and and the only thing they have to unite against is their hate of religion. So they just yeah. make a mockery of it, which to me is silly. But at the same time, it's like, what are we going to do? Have atheist bowling leagues? Like, I, I don't know. Um, it's just weird. But that's kind of the idea that we were going with the liberty movement of like, you know, creating community, creating that. Because, but yeah, so that kind of fell, fell through ish. And I, I started doing this. And I mean, when I first started, that was kind of what got the impetus to get me started doing podcasting. Um, cause I never really necessarily had a desire to do it, but then I just had friends who were kind of like, you know, they were also ones that were helping me, you know, with the, or we were kind of working together with the Liberty movement thing, uh, the group that we, we created. Um, and they were the ones who were like, dude, you should do a podcast. And I was, they're like, you'd be good at it. Like you should really do it. But I'm like a complete tech idiot. So, um, did I lose you? Oh, it looked like we were lagging for a second, but yeah, I was a big tech idiot. So I was just kind of like, it's one of those like. I'm very much the kind of person that I don't like change. And so it's like, you kind of got to force me to do it. And once I do it, I'm like, oh, this ain't so bad. And I'm actually pretty good at it or whatever. And that's kind of how podcasting was for me. I kind of got like shoved out the door. And then I, so I guess if anything, Liberty Moon was almost an excuse for me to finally do it. Cause it was like, I had an objective, but now I have no problem with saying I don't really have an objective. Like I, I kind of initially, when I started the show, it was the concept of the Liberty movement was to be like a cultural non-political uh, thing and so we had the youtube channel and so i would do that and after a while i kind of was like well i don't want to only talk about like cultural topics because that gets old i do want to talk about political stuff because that does interest me and so i it's then started i created my own channel so i had my no way jose channel and then i had like 
because uh, the the YouTube channel the Liberty Movement was like a conglomerate of different people that fit fit that bill of like the not like the non culture or the cultural non political whatever like we weren't we wanted a space that wasn't focused on politics and uh, so I would put my content up there that was non political and then on my stuff that was like didn't fit that bill I'd put on my own channel and then after a while I was just like I didn't really want to feel like I was tethered to do that uh, and it was just kind of like it also the the Liberty Movement kind of lost steam because we were very Facebook central. And Facebook was great for groups. I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons why uh, Facebook completely crumbled. Well, not crumbled, but it's basically a shell of what it used to be and face a shitload of censorship. Was I think it was because of the fact that they made too good of a product for groups. And so it became useful for organizing. And so it was just, we were so central on there. I think that was probably a, a decent reason of why they are so censorship heavy. Twitter doesn't have that. I mean, they have the group chats. And so there's there kind of is, but I feel like Facebook had a much better group concept. But um, yeah, anyways, yeah, no. So I eventually dropped that, and uh, yeah, now I just basically my show is I just talk about shit that interests me, and that's really all there is to it. There's not like any crazy objective. I don't have any idea that I'm saving the world. Uh, as uh, there there's these groups out here called the anti podcasters, and this is shit they say about us. Stuff like they say about us is it's ironically is all just complete straw man. Like I. I just do this because I find enjoyment out of it. I, I I get to talk to people I find interesting. I have no crazy objectives. I'm saving the world. I have my own opinions. I don't assert them to be true. Uh, and I just have fun. And I, I know it's been cool as, as the show's gone bigger. Um, I mean, I, know, I wouldn't say I'm like big yet. I mean, it's, it definitely ebbs and flows. The Dave bump was huge. And then uh, fucking it's kind of been petering off now. And I'm sure I'll get another bump at some point too. I have noticed, I don't know if you guys agree, because you guys, well, I don't know if James might not be the best uh, one to talk to you about this because he doesn't really push his YouTube content much. But I have noticed that like my YouTube views as of late have been going down, but my my uh, audio listens have been the same, yeah. if not increasing, what, which yeah, is that, weird. I've had the like, same thing. Like my, yeah. my uh, which I, 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 what, like I wanted to be only YouTube for a while. But then there was a lot of people who were bugging me that were like, I don't, I don't use YouTube, which like mm -hmm. I, I've never used uh, watch podcasts on anything but YouTube. So yeah, I guess well, I, for me, if a video is longer than like eight minutes, I'm not going to watch it. Like I, I don't, I don't watch long term, long form YouTube. I don't think I, I, I like I'm a supporting listener or whatever. Like I'm in Kingpill's ten dollars a month subscribe star thing, and I've never watched a complete episode of it. I, I just don't I just don't I don't consume content like that the only time I've ever the only time I've ever seen or listened to an entire Joe Rogan is when like Malice or Dave Smith or somebody's on uh you know I mean if you host a two-hour show it's it's asking a lot for someone to sit in front of their computer or holding their phone or whatever oh yeah I guess it's like so I, I I pay for the uh, YouTube red so I can just close my phone and listen to it but then like if they're <laughs> talking about something that has a video aspect to it Mm -hmm. I can pull it up and look at it or like, I'll just put my phone on like my uh, toolbox while I'm working. And so like, I'll be working and glance over once in a while. There's something nice about seeing people's, you know, especially during like the lockdowns and stuff. It was like, it was nice to like see mm. people talking and stuff and, and well, maybe hear it. Yeah. I mean, maybe you answered your own question then. I mean, maybe that's why people are switching more to audio because they're going out and doing maybe. stuff. Yeah. I don't I know. It, but it, fuckery, honestly, but well, what's funny is that like, <laughs> Is, is like with YouTube, it's like I have to generate videos to keep getting views. With the audio stuff, it's like there are weeks where I don't actually upload really anything to the audio because it like it lags behind the YouTube, but my views keep going up. So it's kind of weird. I also got hmm. a big bump when uh, I switched from because I was using Anchor and then I switched to Red Circle. And I don't know what it is about Red Circle, 
but it's like 10 times better than anchor uh in terms of like somehow like they distribute to a couple things that anchor didn't and then like uh, i don't know since then i mean i guess it's like there might be other factors i'm sure there's other factors at play like you can't just like go oh it was just that one thing maybe i got better at maybe my, my content got better around the same time i don't know <laughs> so but uh at least that's what i've noticed but yeah it's interesting that jose you said you kind of seen the same thing that the uh uh audio stuff's been uh doing better than the youtube because I've, I've noticed that too yeah, i'm seriously considering switching to red circle uh, yeah I'm, I'm on red circle and I, I have no complaints but that's the only thing i've ever used so <laughs> it's a little harder to use than anchor but i prefer it because like <clears throat> anchor is like tied to spotify and it's like i'd rather be with something a little bit not as big tech which is kind of you know and so i don't yeah, know that's so fair. um so uh, someone had a comment here with a question. Let me find it again. Uh, he wants to know if there's too many libertarian yeah. podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought that's an interesting question. And, but you know, there are definitely times when like one of my hesitancies, like I feel like probably all of us here probably had people telling us you should do a podcast. And for a while I was mm -hmm. resistant because this was my exact thing. I was like, there's already so many podcasts. I was like, does it really make sense to add one more? And I was like, well, if I'm going to do it. Like the reason I named my podcast, what I did was because I was like, well, if I'm going to do it, I need to not do what everyone else is doing. I want to mm -hmm. like have my own niche and bring something unique and not just be like, oh, I'm the you know 10,000th person, person to get up and say taxation is theft and criticize the military industrial complex. Yeah. And be like, yeah, I mean, it's like we already have big names doing that. You would do a great job of it. Me wasting my time to get on and do it wouldn't be that helpful. So that's kind of why I decided to focus more on the religious ac aspect because it's more closer to home and uh while there are some christian anarchist podcasters out there it's a, it, there's not as many so it was a bit of a niche to fill but even then you know after a while i was realizing like okay well now all i'm doing is talking to like people who already agree with me so then i had to start talking about other things to try to get more of an audience and to get onto different shows to have more interesting conversations but uh what do you guys think like do you feel like there's too many podcasts and uh you know and how do you guys deal with that like trying to put out a product that uh people want to consume that's not just like repeating what everyone else in our circles is saying i mean that's funny because uh you because it really seems like we all kind of did that you know we all had our niche that we started with and then kind of branched out mm -hmm. i think luckily uh, uh me and james were smart enough to uh change our branding so we weren't pigeonholed uh, you know, but uh, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> I did was, the opposite. Was, I doubled. I doubled down on my branding. <laughs> yeah, which is yeah, what you I, got a green I, screen. I, I had the same thought from the beginning when I chose my name, No Way Jose. I was like, I did that on purpose because I was like, I don't want to like niche down too much. Because while I was did have the initial was like, I'm gonna focus on cultural stuff. I did. There was a part of me that was like, well, I, I mean, I'd want to keep it open branding wise. Uh. So I did luck up there, but um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't necessarily think there are too many podcasts, nor do I also think there aren't. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess I just kind of like, it's almost a moot question. Cause it's like, I don't know. I don't care. Like do it if you want to, like, I mean, like, I don't know, but also, you know, bear that in mind and have a, a, uh, cause I mean, I, we've been doing this about all of us have been doing this about a year and, uh, I mean, I, I don't I mean if you're in it for money, I mean, I've been doing this for a year and I make like a hundred, 200 bucks a month. So just for anyone who's like wanting to know what's going on on that side of things, like everyone mm -hmm. likes to make it out like we're some, you know, corny grifters, you know, that's a joke, but it's like, dude, I've been doing this for a year and I like, I just in the past few months started making money. 
Like, yeah, I don't, so... make, I don't make, I don't make anything, but I haven't even yeah. tried to monetize yeah. it. I mean, I, I, on Red Circle, it has that like exclusive subscriber thing, which like I click the button on and I, I did go and create a Patreon account, but then I haven't actually like advertised it or put it out there yet. Um, so I don't know. I, I've gone back and forth if I even want to monetize it. Mm. Um, I mean, uh, there, there's I mean, like, on, I'm not against on audio. It, I would if I was you. I mean, if you can't yeah, give the option I, yet, it'll it'll tell you when you have the option on there. So I don't know if you've if you've gotten it yet. I just got that like a month or two ago, and even then, it's not like I make a lot. I think I make like thirty bucks off the audio. At least last month, I made like thirty bucks off the. Audio. Is that on? Is that on Red Circle or Patreon? Red Circle. Red Circle. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, that was the other thing about like Anchor has like they have the option for advertisers, and I got that pretty early on. But they have one advertiser on Anchor. Anchor. You can advertise <laughs> for Anchor. I was just like, that, 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 like, that's, I was like, okay, maybe, but like, that's just, I don't know. Like, it doesn't really seem like a good business model. Whereas Red Circle, I heard better reviews for it as far as like they have more uh, d- diverse sponsors and stuff you can click on. But I yeah. mean, some people have the criticism, which I don't agree with. Like, I don't think that you're a grifter if you're a podcaster and you go out there seeking money. Cause to me, it's like you're performing a service in the market and yeah. labor. And if people want to pay you go ahead, I've <clears throat> been a little bit worried about it for my content just because of the religious aspect to it. And I don't know if like, I don't know something about like mixing religious stuff into it makes it feel a little bit dirtier for me to take money. Dude, you can get 501c3. You'll be fucking tax exempt. Just go for it, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, there's, there's some Christian anarchists who say if you do that, you're uh uh you're you're putting the mark of the beast on yourself, but I mean, I don't know. Oh, um that's just I mean, extra. I mean, like, you know, some, something uh I forget who, which one of you said it earlier. I think you were talking about it James like when you were criticizing agorism. Um you know, I think my biggest complaint about like all of our like because we're all kind of like it's kind of weird. Like so Jose's kind of like further on the agorism spectrum. I kind of started there, but then drifted more towards political stuff. And now I'm like pretty involved in the Macy's caucus. Uh and then James, I feel like you just like it depends on what day. <laughs> I, feel like kinda, <laughs> I feel like you just kind of like you wake up and you have like uh what, what were those things called like in school like, that the girls would have where it'd be like you you flip it and you just like okay vaginas. that wasn't only girls first of all <laughs> um, i don't know what the names of those are i don't know i just feel like you do one of those and you're like what am i today oh, okay okay i have an actress today yeah i mean <laughs> i so like i sit on the board of the lp of minnesota so it's not like i can say i've completely abandoned the libertarian party um, but like I, you know, I've already told the Mises caucus guys that I'm not going to run again next year. Um, I think I might run for JC just because it feels fun to be a judge, but, uh, like, yeah, I don't know it. I just, I don't have a lot of faith in the LP at this point. Um, other than as a messaging organization That's and even, yeah. and even then, like, I mean, I'd rather see, I would rather see the LP completely like go away and disband. Yep. Then, then see it as a good. Then see it as like the the primary messaging arm of the libertarian movement. But in if it's my issue, ex- oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut off. They exist. I want it to be a like fucking badass yeah. messaging arm of the liberty movement. And that's one of my biggest arguments in, in my head personally, because I know a lot of people be like say with the Dave Smiths or all the good stuff going on with the Mises Cox. I don't even necessarily deny, in a certain sense, they are a positive move. But my thing is like. It puts the wind in the sails of a shit fucking vehicle that I want to be fucking blown up. <laughs> like, I, and I, I don't like if we, like my thing is like if we, if you, we could somehow magically guarantee we'd have 
perfect L- LPMC guys in there, and we could have like Dave Smith type messengers from here on in eternity in the LP. I'd be like, fuck yeah, like I'm I'm wrong, algorithm's stupid. But my <laughs> thing is, I think it's going to naturally just revert back to what it was over time, just like it did with with Rothbard back in the day. And I think you know the the Ron Pauls, the Dave Smiths, the people that we look to is like, look at these fucking awesome guys, and they are awesome guys. I think they put wind the wind in the sails. It, it creates this distorted idea of like a win and we're like oh we gotta win and then but then you ignore the l that's like way outweighs the win you know what i mean it's kind of like a gambling thing almost no it it is a valid criticism and it's something that like internally in the mises caucus we already are having to fight because there's people that want to start capitulating to like our haters and the people that are criticizing us like really um yeah well like i hate to use like i'm not going to use names but i will call out the specific states like the mises caucus in texas and like we all know LP Texas is oh, awful, God, yeah. but like they're trying to capitulate with them and compromise. And we're just like, no, like you're not going to like, and I don't know how many times state affiliates have to go through that lesson. It was like, we, we I, th- I thought people would have learned after New Hampshire. And then I thought people would have learned after Delaware, even like Pennsylvania didn't make maybe as much headlines. Uh, but even Pennsylvania was a little bit of a, you know, sketchy stuff going on. Um, you know, there's some, there's, by the way, to keep your eyes open, there's going to be probably some big news coming out of Pennsylvania here in the next couple of weeks. If things go the way, I think they're going to go. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's just like people are too, I feel like, I don't know if part of this is, I don't know if it's the incentives of politics or if it's just something psychologically about people who tend to be libertarian, but there's like something about like people getting into positions of power, but then they, you know, I, I feel like it's mostly the libertarian mindset where it's like they have such a low time preference for power that they would rather work with people and build coalitions and not fight, especially fight people that supposedly have the same ideology as them. So people get into like, oh, well, why do we have to fight people? Um, and the the problem is we've tried. And I mean, there are people, to be fair, there are people in the LP who aren't Mises caucus who have sided with us and who are, I think, like good libertarians who just don't care to join a caucus and they don't need kicked out or dealt with or anything or or whatever. But there's also a lot of people who call themselves libertarians in the party who are dishonest and corrupt. And, you know, I think we've all seen that. And, uh, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't think that you can play nice with those people to get them out. It's almost like the same problem, like, you know, uh, like Quinones and, a lot of the Praxian people started talking about not not really just with the LP, but like just in the broader context of just like political action or just trying to wake people up. It's like libertarians have this weird uh, allergy to uh, I don't know, like like con- like confront confronting people and not wanting to. I guess to them, it's like if they get uh, aggressive, they feel like they're they're compromising on their principles which personally i don't get like if you're if you're being aggressive but it's like in self-defense against whether it's the state or it's dishonest people who have you know uh broken contract and lied and committed fraud within uh the 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 national party i don't think it's a compromise of principles to be aggressive with those people but i don't know what do you guys think do you think it's something about like their mindset or are there incentives in the political system that that motivate that too you think um, I, you know, I don't know. I, to me, it all feels like LARPing, to be honest. Like, it just feels like people getting mad for the sake of getting mad. Um, 
like I've designated this person as my enemy, so I'm going to, I'm going to defend myself against him at all cost. Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of faith in that political in politics in general, I guess at this point. Um, now, you know, that being said, if, if someone's going after my friends, then, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go back at them. You know, I mean, I don't know. Like I have a lot of sympathy for, or maybe not sympathy for, but I have a lot of, I have a lot of friends in the Praxian movement and I have a lot of friends in the Mises caucus. I'd like to see them get along. Um, I don't have any friends in the, you know, wokertarians for lack of a better term um, movements. So like, you know, what, what love do I have for them? I mean, other than my, my Christian love, uh, Jacob. <laughs> yeah, okay. I you mean, know, I- I, gotta, I, gotta, I think it's probably like an incentives thing as well, but I, I don't know. I don't really, it's one of the things I've said a lot is I do feel like the LP is kind of this like middling thing too. So there is something to like it as like libertarians. Cause I think it's like the LP to me, or you even going the LP route, like, like while I am an agorist, like, I guess I, I've, I've said before, I have like orders of preferences. Like now say I had to like gun to my head, I had to do some sort of political involvement. The LP, like to me, like essentially if we're playing the power game, and I mean I know there's a messaging argument, it's kind of like they they're kind of fucking useless, honestly. Uh, I mean in my head, but so like I'm I'm a fan of like in, in my head, I like the next order of preference would be like a hoppian thing, so like a localism. But even then I kind of see more of a more more of an argument like the paleo argument than the LP argument if we're talking power. I mean, our messaging might be a little bit different. But I, I could definitely see far more good being done in that way of like a small uh, group, kind of like almost like what Andrew's doing, like a GOP Mises, like where that's kind of influencing from the outside, the larger fucking, you know, Republican uh, base. Uh, and this is an idea I kind of got from the uh, Emma Goldman's essay on like minor, minorities and majorities and how they operate within each other. And I think that might be some like social phenomenon we kind of see in the LP, like when they become a majority, the idea kind of gets watered down and bullshit. But if you're a minority, you're kind of what drives things. And so that's why I can see that maybe something like a paleo thing, like a, a small group, some sort of caucus that's a, you know all about purity or whatever on the outside and the fringes could really move things because they're like this isolated minority that affects the majority. But the problem is once anything, any group becomes a majority, as we're seeing with the uh, LPMC, they, they have a tendency to kind of water things down become less you know revolutionary than they were i mean shit you could probably make some sort of parallels between fucking like the ussr and like how that shit worked you know uh you know when the fucking commies took over and then like they were all hoorah anarchy and then all of a sudden they're like well not, not so much now <laughs> like there, there's something to that there i don't know there's there's i mean i don't i'm not smart enough to put my my finger on it exactly i mean i just read other shit and then kind of like extrapolate from there but i do think that I really feel like someone should do some work on like incentives within like a political like parties and stuff like that. Cause it is definitely an interesting, like you're kind of like looking into how like social phenomenons work, how, how groups operate. Like, I don't know. I just, I think something about like it just being in the political realm kind of fuck shit up. And then, oh, and then yeah. even worse, like I feel like the LP is like in a sense, anti-political, but they're trying to play a political game. So it's like there's some weird shit that happens there to where you're like you don't really ever fully take on the advantages of being in the political realm. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. So Yeah, there's something yeah, there especially like I don't know, like there's probably I guess less reservation about playing the political game 
in a certain way if you're doing it in the GOP versus if you do it in the LP. Um, yeah, the the GOP has a chance of winning, and so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to compromise a little bit. The LP has zero chance of winning, so you can you can say whatever the hell you want. I mean, like, I will I will say it's it's not, it's not it's it's that's the that's the thing. I mean, like you've got these libertarians, big L libertarians, who insist on their ideological purity, and like you know, like like Craig said here, the hope and the liberty movement in the G, you can put it up on the screen if you want. The hope and the liberty movement in the GOP died when they shafted Ron Paul. Like, I, I mean, have you have you lived through the last year and a half? That the, the only chance of any semblance of freedom is absolutely crushing the Democratic Party. Hmm. Like, like yeah. the Libertarian Party is never going to absolutely crush the Democratic Party. There is a zero percent chance of that happening. Oh, I, I agree. And so this is why I'm having uh, Andrew on my show uh, later in the month, because I mean, at this point, it's like, I mean, we could debate strategy all night, but I don't want to get too much into that because I think at the end of the day, like these camps are going to keep doing what they want because like they're acting their incentives. Uh, like you're not going to roll it back. You know, I had Kinones on my show and talked about this too, because I was trying to say, listen, like, yeah, like we can have reasonable disagreements and like, I'm not against having good faith talks about our disagreements, but if we just focus on fighting each other, then we're just, we're, we're all like losing out like mm. our energy is being wasted i would yeah. rather form an a coalition between the lpmc and then hopefully they take over the lp so it's the lpmc acting within the lp mm. with uh the gop and specifically like if we have guys like andrew and and foe acting uh i mean so acting in um florida we guys coughing well, i mean she's pretty great yeah yeah foe too yeah <laughs> uh and we have um guys like you know Kaufman and the free state project in new hampshire and they got a lot of good liberty <clears throat> gop people up there and it's like if you know i i kind of agree with you and i think i said this i don't know which i don't know if it's your show or my show james but like one of our last conversations you asked me about my thought on the praxians and i said you know i used to buy into that cliche that like uh the left and the right are exactly the same and it's like you know what that's really not true it, like you have to look at the current context. I do think in the past there were times where, like especially like early two thousands, where the where it seemed like the left was closer to libertarian uh, mm -hmm. leanings than the right was, because the right was so consumed with like and, and being duped by the neocons, and the left, uh, while not perfect on economics, obviously, uh, were definitely pushing for more libertarian ideas. Yeah, but that 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 was then and this is now and we have to look at the reality and right now and i i say this as a former lefty i mean i voted for bernie sanders and hillary clinton in uh you know 20 i hope you guys don't quit my show now <laughs> i don't think i knew you voted for clinton i knew you were a bernie supporter yeah I well i I, I will say i did it reluctantly like and, and go, this was actually. part of <laughs> um well this was part of my red pilling thing actually like what woke me up to how evil the state was was watching the dnc and like the corruption that went on there to like give it to Hillary instead of Bernie. And then how quickly everyone in the DNC, like the Bernie people went from shitting on Hillary to like, oh, armpits. Get us Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, had to, they went from shitting on Hillary to like supporting her. And I did it kind of reluctantly out of like, I was younger and just kind of like doing what the people around me told me to do, but it never felt right. I was like, we just spent like this past like six months talking about like how, awful she is and how she's a monster and now you're just like oh well hillary because trump's 
Trump orange man bad. And it didn't sit right with me. So after that election, uh, that I, I kind of started my, my movement away from the left. But anyway, so like as a former lefty, I hate to say this, but right now I really can't have any positive conversations with people on the left. Like they've, mm-hmm. they've completely gone off the deep end. And although I have some like internal prejudice and bias towards the right and the GOP, to be honest, like as much as like the MAGA stuff and, and like the Trump worship really like just triggers me and my autism, um, I have a lot more in common right now with like your average Trump supporter than your average Democrat. Like, I, I hate to say it, but it's just true. Like um, one of my tool guys is like was like a huge uh, Trump guy, like huge. But like over the last like year and a half of COVID, suddenly like he's really like he's even open. Like I told him I'm an anarchist and I know like calling myself an anarchist to a right winger probably like five or 10 years ago would have been like met with a lot of like pearl, you know, pearl clutching. But now it's just like, oh, you know, I I don't completely agree, but I see where you're coming from because like they're seeing how, you know, fucked up this shit is. They saw like they believe that the election was stolen and it's like, you know, and so they're they're a lot more red red pillable now at the moment even if we can't get them all the way to where we are like don't we kind of have to band together to stop the insanity on the left if we don't want to all end up like in the gulag i mean i mean i I, am i being dramatic or i i don't think so Uh, i don't really know how to answer that one uh i mean i i don't i think it's just being just be prepared for the shifting tides like Fucking, I mean, it, right now, I think the fertile ground to for liberty is on the right, um, you know. But yeah, I mean, if that changes ten years from now to the left, just be on a swivel, like, and that's the whole idea. Like we kind of saw that with like the riots and shit, where like everyone got caught up in the all the fucking George Floyd shit, and you know, being like fuck the cops. But as soon as things changed, like the problem was people people had their heels dug in and just kept you know sticking with the narrative instead of shifting and be like, whoa, whoa, now it's not where I want it to be. So and that's the same idea of the whole the left right thing. Everyone gets caught up and like, oh, the left, the right. Well, I mean, I think we can be we can be we can be uh, a little reasonable and understand which side has more fertile ground for liberty right now. And uh, right now, that's the right. Um, and I, I know someone out there might get all mad and shit. You know, right and left. I know th- th- that's one of the biggest issues. I want not the biggest, but it's probably one of my biggest critiques of like Andrew's thing is the the left right thing because it's like. Dude, that's so fucking subjective, and it's however you define it. There's so he, many he goddamn yeah, yeah. There's so well, many different ways to define left and right. So it's like you're you're kind of coming in here, like you know, you know, putting your foot through the door and going, "The this is left and right." And it's like, okay, but mm-hmm. you're like you're using rhetoric that just assumes your position. It's circular. And then, it's incomplete. Yeah, because yeah. like he yeah. he says, well, the right is closer to us, and we're like, what about the neocons? Oh, well, they're not actually right wingers. It's like, well. Yeah. You, you're just like you're you're well, conveniently making yeah. everything that's close to liberty right wing and everything. But he has his not... own definition okay. of left and right. To be fair, yeah. So that's he does. Saying. And, and, and yeah. also, to be fair, the neocons are no longer neo. Like they, they've all gone to the Democratic Party. There's not. There's no neocons left in the conservative, yeah, whatever movement or whatever. Um, now, so for me, I consider progressivism, which is like a subset of leftism, as the actual antithesis to liberty. Um, so not all leftism is like far away from us. Some of it is actually, you know, within us. Like, uh, I, I love having leftists inside of me. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, the, the, I mean, progressivism, the, the, like Hillary Clinton, Woodrow they Wilson, do seem like et cetera. Passionate lovers probably. So 
I'm sure. Yeah, they're passionate. I need, to, I need to kick this degeneracy off of my uh, covenant community. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I interrupted you. Um, uh, you Dan done? Crenshaw. I don't think Dan Crenshaw is a neocon. I mean, he's a warmonger, but he's not an ideological neocon. I mean, I don't think he's an uh, ideological neocon, but I, I think mean, it's fair to like... label him as one. Ben Shapiro I mean, is a little bit. Ben Shapiro was the one that I was going to say too. He's pretty close, yeah. but which sucks because like he he didn't used to be as bad on it. But I'm a little biased because like he's the first one that introduced like at least like free market economics to me. Um, and he he is still good on that, and he is good on against being against progressivism and the COVID lockdowns, and he's good on uh he was actually even good on free trade, but he's just like such a, a Zionist that it's like it's hard yeah. to. <laughs> Like the Dan Crenshaws and John McCain, I mean, and even like uh, Dick Cheney, um, those guys are not neocons. They're 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 like nationalist interventionists, I guess. They're they believe shills. in like, they believe opinion, in spreading the spreading the good news of Americanism, <laughs> as opposed to Trump, who's a nationalist populist uh, and doesn't want to evangelize America to the rest of the world. He wants the rest of the world to be as insular as he wants. I mean, you, you heard what he said about China and, and so on. Like it, he expects Xi Jinping to do what's best for the Chinese people. He doesn't want Xi to be doing what's best for the American people. That doesn't make any sense. It's Donald Trump's job to do what's best for the American people. Right. Whereas like a Ben Shapiro or a Dan Crenshaw or a John McCain or a Dick Cheney, they want everybody to like kumbaya get along in sort of the United Nations, uh, you know, sort of, sort of way. Yeah, no, I agree. No, I'm at the, the, the good test to find the good right wingers from the bad ones is to ask them their opinion on Lincoln is what I found. <laughs> I do want to back up and reiterate. I will say that, that my thing with Andrew in his thing, and I, I do like Andrew live. I've talked to him a bunch. He's a great guy. Uh, I think a lot of people have, have the, everyone shits on Andrew and his ideas and then they have them on their show and then they usually have a great time and they get along. Yeah. Um, and they're like, okay, you have actually have some good points, but my, own, my that's my biggest yeah. critique is his left, right thing. And my problem with that is that he actually has a coherent, uh, definition of left and right. The problem is that then he st- jumps from that to, this is the definition of left and right. And the problem is there's like 20 definitions of left and right. So you, and he never, he just like assumes his point mm-hmm. and moves on from there. And a lot of people do this as well. This is a very, like an NRX thing. I see a lot too. It's just like, and even a Hoppian thing where they assume the definition of left and right and then jump from there. And it's like, but it's really like, whoa, 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 what do you mean? Because like, you know, it's kind of what this whole like past five minutes we've been talking about here is we're like, well, is this left? Is that right? But it's ever shifting when you're talking about it in a political sense, in like a cultural, whatever, a socio-political sense, like, yes, it's going to shift. But like, now if you have a, like, say if you're doing like egalitarianism on one side or whatever the fuck the other one is on the other side, or there's so many different ways. Konkin defined himself as a left left anarchist because of the fact that he was defining left and right as like whether their willingness to use political power, um, like it, it really just completely changes depending on how you define it. So then that's my problem is it, and I know it's annoying because it's a, you don't always want to start out and be like, well, let's define our terms. But if you're going to stick yourself so hard to one term, you can't really be upset when people under, misunderstand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's room for misunderstanding there. So. Yeah. That's I've, I've kind of rejected the left, right paradigm. Uh, I, I mean, I said that like years ago, but yeah. uh, actually Reed, I Reed said, this is the first time I've heard 
Cheney was not a neocon. Um, Reed is you're so you're much younger than I am. If you had been in the anti-war left 15 years ago, you you would have heard that he was certainly a nationalist, uh, but not a not a neocon like in the in the sense that neo neoconservatism is an actual ideology. Um, it's not just anybody who you know advocates for war uh, in the Middle East. Um, it has a lot to do with Israel and uh, Zionism and that sort of thing. So, I mean, obviously Cheney and the entire Bush administration was steered by neoconservatism, but Cheney himself and John Bolton certainly um, are not neocons, strictly speaking. Um, what was, where, where, what were we talking about? I'm sorry. I got distracted by a chat. I don't know. <laughs> I do want to. I did want to address one chat. It's been under my under my skin for a while. Okay, if good. you don't mind, James, since you have a brain fart, anyways. So yeah. someone in the chat said y'all need a white pill, and I don't yes. know about you, but I'm, I'm uh, actually white pill. That fucking yeah. Like I'm so totally. sick of that because white pill has become synonymous with well, you don't agree with my plan. Like, yeah. Or or <laughs> or or it, like like you think the you think the LP might be a little bit on the worthless side, so you're obviously blackpilled because you know, I mean only, yeah. only an optimist only, you, you know, if you're optimistic, you think that the LP has a chance at, at making a difference in the world. You know, I mean, maybe the LP doesn't have a chance of of making a difference in the world and realizing that is the white white pill. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, then you're not going to be disappointed when they don't because yeah. they don't. They don't. Like Maybe a know. negligible, I, maybe a negligible I, one. Maybe, maybe the LP acts as the clearinghouse of the liberty movement. Like, I don't know. Here in Minnesota, we're going to pass an agorism plank to our to our LP. Uh, what, what's the thing called? Platform, which is yeah. kind of cool. Like, you know, I mean, like formally recognizing black and gray markets in our platform is an olive branch, certainly to the agorists, but it's also a way of saying, like, hey, you shade tree mechanic, or hey, you know, guy who. sells raw milk or whatever you're welcome you're welcome among us you don't have to you don't have to be alone in the world or just whatever yeah i mean i will say like i know it definitely on like the state level and the federal level the gop has an advantage on the lp but i mean so i'm technically an elected libertarian now um it's not yeah i know Um, yeah, but you're in Pennsylvania. That's an outlier. Not many states are like Pennsylvania, where you have like a whole list of vacant races where you know you just run unopposed. And, and well, there are other states that have similar similar laws that you can exploit. It's just nobody's done it like we have yet, like to the extent that we have. But other states are trying to talk to our people to kind of copy that model. But even then, like it's not that hard to like. There's even people that have like in in Pennsylvania that won uh, write-in campaigns. Uh, and who are like small L libertarians and stuff. Um, so, but to me, it's like, I, I don't have a loyal, like one thing I will say is I don't have a loyalty to party affiliation. It's like, I don't have anything vested in the LP. Like it's not a sacred cow to me. Like it is to a lot of people in the LP. Like, I just don't, I, I think that it's just like, I kind of agree with you guys. Like if I could press the red button and the LP disappeared completely from the face of the planet, I would probably want to hit that. Uh, Cause it's a lot of work to take it over and then keep it good. But I just don't think that like we can actually eliminate it. So it's kind of like, that's not well, realistic. The first step is stop yeah. supporting it. <laughs> no, but the problem is like we hadn't been supported it and it existed and it was run by retards. So yeah, but there's always this rhetoric of, Oh, we'll fix it. Oh, we'll fix it. Yeah. And the problem is like, we'll just maybe ignore it and ridicule it. So it and makes, eventually yeah. it will become useless. Like, I wonder, 
what happens after the takeover is successful? I mean, yep. how many how many Mecocks say is on fire once they've achieved their goal? Which is the Ron Paul effect too. I think it was he- Jer- Jared from uh, uh, Hoppian.org or whatever that I think he said something that really kind of how how he put it. He put it. I think we were talking Tower Gang, and he said it was an artificial influx, almost like a boom and bust type thing with like with a Ron Paul or Dave Smith. Because yeah, you get all these quote unquote libertarians, but how many are really libertarians? Like it's almost like a, cool. You got people excited, but then what happens when the fervor dies down? Like how much of those were real? And then we also into like enter into the fallacy of like, oh well, look, all these libertarians were created. And it's like, well, how many were really created? And how many were going to be be libertarians one way or the other? Like you know, the whole remnant concept, the the idea that it's a nature versus nurture thing. It's kind of in your nature to think this way. Like I think in some regards, liberty people are kind of built differently. So there might be some remnant idea to that, to where it's like you are the kind of person who can be drawn in by these ideas, but in some people can't. Um, so I don't know there, there, there's definitely something to that, but I'm kind of droning on now. Like the vape's kicking in. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's it, it, it's a it's a valid concern um, and and encountered. So I mean, um, I, I don't know. I, I tend to think that I I don't completely agree with you that ignoring it would make it go away. And I think the problem was, and the reason why, like I think the Mises Caucus was formed and wanted to take it over was because it was like we were tired of seeing the philosophy and the ideas that we believe in being represented by really bad spokesmen. And that's unfortunately when people, a lot of people I agree with you are already naturally uh, like inclined or oriented towards us, or at least they're able to pick up on the, the bullshit that is the, like the two parties that have all the power, but like the natural progression is to look at a third party. And if they're leaning more towards, you know, Liberty than like, you know, uh, like a green party or like, you know, being a socialist, they're going to look at the libertarian party. So I, I, I just don't think that, I mean, like, yeah, it is going to be a lot of work, but I feel like, um, and I, and I, I don't think that we're ever going to have even like half the population be libertarians. Like we're always going to be a minority, I believe, as far as like people who are really like ideologically and, libertarian and then out of out of that group a lot of them are going to be ideological but they're not going to be well read and be able to espouse the philosophy very well so like it, there's always going to be a minority and then a minority within the minority but yeah. well this is the whole uh what i was kind of getting at with the whole emma goldman thing earlier with the minority majority we don't need everyone to be a libertarian we just no, need a good minority of people and mm. we need people that will behave the incentives of it which is I mean, to, to flex on agorism a little bit, that's kind of, say, with like Bitcoin or like or fucking like Uber, shit like that. That kind of creates incentives to behave in a liberty minded sense. So we don't need people to be libertarians. I don't I genuinely don't give a fuck if anyone. I mean, I guess I do a little bit. But at the end of the day, all I care about is that you behave the incentives. I mean, I guess yeah. I actually don't really well, care at all. But I just think that makes you more likely. So and that's that's sort of Andrew's mission. I mean, he wants to incentivize people, you know, whether they're whether they're ideological libertarians or not doesn't matter. What matters is they vote for people who are ideological libertarians. And the way you do that is by buying their votes. And that's that's how that's how every single politician in the world works. Yeah. Um, Which is I will say uh, I've said before, wealth, power and influence and like agorism are basically the same thing, just a kind of a different aesthetic to it. Uh, I yeah. know that's the well, one the, thing, the they, thing is they, the lobbyists and I whether that's pure agorism or not, I kind of don't care. But at the same time, like, I actually think it might be consistent. But even then, I think that's 100%. If you're going to do it, lobbyists all the fucking way. 
Well, yeah, what yeah. I, I didn't I didn't mean lobbyists. I meant the oh, okay. the anti tax. I don't know if yes, you've, you've heard, yeah, you've yeah, heard yeah, about. Yeah, it. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the WPI route is agorism without the without the bring down the state ideology, which is why I kind of uh, yeah. lean that direction more than more than I do towards agorism. The lobbyist thing is not that's not a central point to WPI no, at so. all. It's just the only um, place that even at sort of advocate political yeah. involvement. Well, you know and I mean? and and this this anarch thing that I was talking about earlier. I mean, this guy is an anarchist who he, he he refuses to protest and he doesn't see it as like against his values to work in the inner circles of the of the monarch because like everybody has their role you know i mean no most people do not do not uh want anarchy most people do not want to see the downfall of the state and therefore you're always going to have a state like it's just it's just a foregone conclusion um so do you do you want to just accept that fact of of so like of society, or do you want to continue fighting it and getting put on lists and getting thrown into gulags? You know, like well, well this is the kind of the wealth, power, influence, and the agorism thing, or the nomad thing, or whatever. I agree with that, while also not agreeing with that. I, I like look at it in a different way. I do think a state will always exist, but it doesn't mean you have to exist within it. Uh, it also doesn't that doesn't determine what kind of state this, the the state will be in. Like there's a whole lot of variations to that. And that's kind of where like agorism or like the nomad concept or or wealth power and influence is kind of like. And even that, even if you do exist within the state, how much uh, how much influence does that state have on, on you? You know, mm-hmm. there there's a whole lot of variances to this. Like so that's why like I guess I kind of find a way to to comport the wealth power and influence concept. And agorism, because no agorism is like we're going to kill the state. I don't know if they're ever necessarily kill the state in the same sense that you won't ever necessarily kill racism, because all that at its root the state is is a belief. So I don't think it will ever truly get rid of it. And I think even Conkin kind of conceded that a little bit. But I do think it is a effective tool at creating spheres of liberty. And I think <laughs> I I if you do magically if they we you do continually move that way you know socially towards like an agorism type thing i do think you will kind of change the form of the state it will move different this i actually kind of apply archotropism in here uh you know his idea of like how power works i do think what will happen likely is liberty expands i think um uh, while uh, authority or whatever you want to call it will contract it will also become more uh concentrated so uh it will be it will seemingly be like worse but uh, yeah, I, I forgot my whole point. I had a point I was building to, and I lost it. But yeah, <laughs> well, I will say, you know, I like so when I was saying we're not going to get a, like majority of people to be libertarian. Like uh, obviously that's true, but all we need to do, and this is sort of like what the Praxians are talking about, and it's it's you know kind of a localism strategy, which the Mises Caucus talks about too. But like what we just need to do is get enough libertarians in different areas to lead their communities and however you do it you know like i I don't think there's a one size fits all solution we kind of have to realize that like probably every state and every county has its own set of circumstances that the people there are going to know the best which route makes the most sense for them um i do like the anti-tax idea and the idea of like trying to incentivize people to act in ways that are more libertarian or vote for libertarians um i'm just a little bit more skeptical minded uh because i'm always like Sometimes like I like Andrew a lot. Don't get me wrong. I'm like I, I'm a part of his like supporter supporting listeners uh, group. Um, but well, sure. And he's like, a devout Catholic. I mean, of course you like him. 
Yeah, I know. I'm a, I'm I'm the reformed Christian with a Catholic fetish. I guess I don't you're know. The, you're the you're the future <laughs> you're the future Catholic with a Catholic fetish. Yeah, I don't know. know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, <laughs> um, but the uh, um, but yeah, sometimes I feel like sometimes Andrew and the Praxians overestimate the ability to which you can like manipulate people it's like you can do that to a point but then like it's not always going to go perfectly like sometimes like you'll give you'll try to incentivize people and like you know kind of like act behind the scenes to like get people to act a certain way but then like this is kind of part of like why central planning fails and why you know like uh, kind of a proxy logical perspective is where i'm coming from where it's like humans sometimes like they are acting their incentives but sometimes and very often their incentives aren't like they're rational in a sense that like they think that it's right for them but it's not always going to be what you can predict. So mm -hmm. like you'll think, oh, I'm doing this and that's going to make these people do this. But like that'll probably work, you know, in some instances, but then in other ones, it's not going to be as successful as maybe they think it is. But it's like I'm all for trying that idea and like where it works, it works and where it doesn't, you try something else. Um, I, I don't think we ever like solve this thing, but, you know, like life's just a never ending series of like dealing with the problems in front of you and just trying to yeah. make the best of it i think and um i'm very a very anti-utopian in that sense and i know like you know like I, it's kind of like the, the my autism is like triggered when i say that because like i don't think anarchy is utopian in the sense that like i, I view statism as more the utopian thinking typically from a philosophical sense but i do think some libertarians can be utopian in the sense that like uh they think that we're going to have perfect like you know ancapistan from like you know across the globe and it's like that's probably never going to happen we'll be lucky if we have like a small little sliver of land or an island somewhere that might be ancapistan the, the best we might be able to get across the world is is you know is minarchy and maybe just to make things better to a certain point um but i don't want to make the perfect the enemy of the good uh but my my religious beliefs probably play a little bit there too because i feel like if you created in capistan you would almost have heaven on earth and you know that's not going to happen until yeah. it's supposed to happen i guess i don't even see in capistan on heaven and earth i think this is a kind of a concept i got from agorism a little bit and that like one of the main concepts you kind of got to start being more self-reliant and i think in and capistan and a legit in capistan is not the heaven on earth people think it'd be i do think it would be better than what we have now but it's gonna be one of those things where you're gonna have to get your hands dirty like nothing's it's not just gonna come easy uh, and that's part of like changing the culture. I think I do want to respond. Some somebody there said there's no right way to liberty. Many different paths. Uh, I, I I hate this fucking uh, talking point so much because it's like yeah no shit like but uh, there are better ways than others. And it's like I mean and I get it. Then people will be like well th then this is a free market of ideas and we'll figure out which one works. It's like okay but like you know when one you know praxis gets ass mad another praxis for voicing their opinion on the other one's bad praxis it's like well okay well part of this free market of ideas is convincing so like this is them working through it so i, I do get irritated with all the infighting with the different different forms of praxis if you will it's like i i i'm gonna be like i don't I, if, if I'm, if I'm going to argue with someone, I just, I'm not going to talk about it. Cause there's no point. Like, but if we're able to have a grown up conversation about it, cool. Cause yes. at the end of the day, we all are, I guess, in some sort of sense, I guess, I mean, I guess maybe like the Hoppians might disagree and I, I might even like kind of disagree in some ways. We're kind of sort of all on the same team. And I, I yeah. want to convince, ideally, 
I would I want to convince you guys my side or I want to find out that I'm wrong. So and the best way to do that is, you know, this is kind of how to win friends and influence people. It's just how to interact with people. Like, I don't see any reason to be shitty with someone when, for example, I'm not even 100% sure the LPMC route's wrong. Like, I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not 100% sure about anything. My thinking is that, you know, it's there's going to be issues in the future, and I don't think necessarily it's the best way to go about it. But, you know, I could be fucking wrong. I don't know. So it, it just gets... And I don't know. I talked about this in Dave when I had him on my on my uh, show. We did Anatomy of State, and there was something that uh, fucking um, there was something that uh, Rothbard Rothbard. touched on that is that we don't really even know the proper praxis. Like Rothbard admitted it. Like he was just like we don't like hear the facts now. Do with what you will. Uh, I he basically kind of was like I don't really know the proper path, but here are the facts, and that's kind of where we're at. So there's there's no point in really causing issues but at the same time it is also like annoying talking points when people are like oh you know we just got the free market of ideas or oh there's no right no one right way and it's like okay but you we can admit there are orders of preferences and certain things work better than others i mean it, like even if i'm saying the lpmc isn't the ideal route that doesn't mean there aren't any merits to it at all there there could be positive benefits out of it i mean it's it could even be that it could even be that the positives outweigh the negatives it just might be that there's another yeah. path you could take that the positives more outweigh the negatives. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not even saying necessarily what you guys are doing is bad. I mean, maybe it is. I don't know. It could, it could, it could be a positive move, but it's just a matter of like, are there things you could do that are more positive moves? You know what I mean? Like, right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, because what's that? I think Thomas Sowell said like there are no solutions, just trade offs. So it's like there's always going to be a gain, but there's always going to be a loss, and that's yeah. because there's always yeah. an opportunity cost. There's always scarcity at play so there's two extremes that annoy me and like the things you're pointing out which is like with the infighting and the different ideas it's like on one hand i get annoyed at the people that only do the infighting and that like seems like their guns are pointed more inwards than outwards most of the time Mm. but then there's also the the equal opposite which is like people that are just like let's never talk about our disagreements and let's just get along and a little bit of like and i like craig craig's like on a lot of our different shows and comments and he's a good guy craig but uh, the guy who oh, made Har- the no, no, uh, this guy, the one who oh, made this Craig. Comments. Oh, okay, yeah, this strip Craig. Craig. <laughs> yeah, this Craig with a K, with a K. Craig, Craig with a K. Um, so, but not a K. Uh, Prince, yeah. just one name, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, there's something about that too, where it's like when people just go, and I'm guilty of this too. Sometimes I'll just be like, oh well, you know, I I don't have to pick one. We'll just do all of them. And at the same time, it's like, but it is okay to talk about like. And like Jose, I've heard you talk about this on your show, and I agree with you when like you're like some people get triggered when you try to criticize them. And it's like, listen, I'm not criticizing you in bad faith. Um, you know, so like if I was, then yeah, you could just say, Oh, you're being an asshole, I'm gonna ignore you. But if the criticism's coming from good faith, then you should hear it out and have a reasonable conversation because like that's what you're like, that's what we're all trying to do. So we have to be if we want people to listen to us, we kind of have to model also listening to each other but i agree like we're on the same team that doesn't mean that you know it's kind of like i guess like a a good uh um analogy might be like like marriage like you know uh Mm. when when you you can't pick every fight with your partner because your marriage is going to suck but if you guys just never talk about your problems your marriage is also kind of going to suck it's like you have to physically superior and then you win every fight (laughs) the key the key is like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um i will tell you one 
so I wrote a really long article and I never published it because it's kind of terrible. But <laughs> if you if you look at the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. God, it's already too long. <laughs> I know. I know. It is. It, but these are the Christian virtues. And yeah. if you want to find those concentrated in the liberty movement, you will find them in no better place than the Mises Caucus. And that is one thing that gives me uh kind of hope for that group um they're like the they're like the joyful warriors and um i've made so many friends being affiliated with the mises caucus that like i don't want to i don't want to like abandon it i talk shit about the lp all the time um and more on this show than even on my own but uh i, I do like i do i do have to point that out that I've made more friends and yeah, all found more, yeah, more joy and humor and um, just like positivity. And uh, I, I don't know if it's like the Holy Spirit indwelling them or if it's just the fact that it's a bunch of goofy dudes, all dudes. Um, but as it should be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Robin Dominic. We love you. Um Except for James. No. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but like that, that is one good thing that, that is one thing that they're very good for. Uh, and I have a feeling that's why they continue to grow and continue to, you know, fund themselves and things like that, because they do, they do exude that, that, that like just charisma, I guess. I mean, you know, the, the word charisma comes from like gift, the gift of the spirit. Like those are the, that, that's where that where that word comes from and even if you know you you're a terrible speller like michael heiss or like you're a grumpy asshole like david hines or like <laughs> you know you're just 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 who like whatever it is whether it's the leadership or the the faces like dave smith or just the rank and file people like you and me jacob like these are some of the best people i've encountered in this movement and jose no offense but agoras can't say that like Yesterday I got a message oh, yeah. from someone who's been who's been going back and forth for days with these agorists, um, and you you probably know who it is. And his question was like, "Are Jose and Adam Kokesh the only good agorists? Like, why are these people so horrible to everybody?" Um, Dude, the same goes for Hoppians. <laughs> like Hoppians are are completely insufferable. Hans Hermann Hoppe is my absolute favorite libertarian philosopher, but the Hoppians, I I can't stand even listening to them being interviewed because they're so dogmatic and so just like. Um, Everybody who's not me is my enemy. I think I'm, I, I think I might be the the first person to be blocked by Jared twice. <laughs> you mean did you deserve it? I have a pretty similar block. I mean, honestly, I, I, I look up to his block, his blocking, uh, how he how crazy he goes. I mean, he's a little bit excessive. I'll give him that. But uh, I mean, he's right. He's right on the ball. Uh, don't 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 put up with people you don't want to on, on social media. There's no reason. You'll never meet the person. I don't even know why. I, I, I've never got an explanation for for either block. Um, so I don't, I don't know what I did. You're not I entitled mean, to one. <laughs> I, I, I know I'm not, but it's just like, I like, like I actually like Jared when he's on podcasts yeah. and stuff. And, and I like, I like, like, like Jared, like James said, like, I kind of identify, like, I'm not dogmatically a hoppy. And this is maybe part of the problem. And we've talked, I've talked about this on both of your shows. Um, I feel like what unites us is that like, none of us are really dogmatic when we are, we're all a bit more like we talk about like a bit more agnostic or, I think it's just just kind of like displaying basic hum basic humility to admit like we might be wrong there might be something we're missing 
but there's there's a lot of people in the movement, whether it's the Hoppians, whether it's people who are like 100% for agorism and or people who are 100% for the LP strategy who just get like so intense and dogmatic about what they're doing. And it doesn't matter if it's in, like, even if it's in my camp, the people that are like 100% Mises caucus or nothing, it pisses me off. And like, I've sometimes caused drama within the LPMC because they'll be like, we're doing this. And it's like, you're doing it because you're part of this group. And I'm like, uh, no, fuck you. I'm an anarchist. Like, you <laughs> you can't tell me what to do. And I'm not going to just like do it because I'm part of your group. Like that's retarded. I'm an individual. I can like, if I think you're wrong, I'm going to tell you I'm wrong, that you're wrong. And I'm not going to do what you say to do. Um, which, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm picking, I, I've picked some fights before that didn't need to be fought. So that, that's, but that's different, but it's like, I'm just, I, I really hate dogmatism. I hate it in the church. I hate it in the Liberty movement. Um, and it, I, I don't know how to deal with people when, when they're like that, like that's who, like I block people probably only when they are that level of dogmatic. And, you know, like that's my biggest criticism of Andrew sometimes. Like, and I, I like Andrew a lot, but sometimes he'll, he'll kind of have that like a little bit of dogmatic energy about like, like the right wingers. And it's just like, I, I just, I don't know. I don't like it. I, I'm, I'm very hesitant to be like a hundred percent sold on, on anything. Um, I don't know. What are yeah. your guys' experiences with that? Uh, oh yeah. I hundred percent agree. Uh, I, I put out a tweet the other day that was like, uh, the agorism's worst enemy is agorists. Uh, and it's hundred <laughs> percent true. Like I, I and I, I had, I had Jared on my show and we kind of talked about it because the Hoppians are known for not liking agorists. And I think it's probably from a few things. I think, uh, you know, the simple fact that Konkin labeled himself as a left libertarian, I think it's kind of one of those things where uh, I always make this joke that, like, if you had a kid growing up your whole life and you called him a homo, like, I'm not saying that would make him a homo, but it'd probably increase the chances. I, I don't know. It's kind of like, a, or if you called him a thief or an idiot or whatever, like, you're kind of to some extent implanting that thought in their mind and it makes them more likely to do it. I think there's something to that, like, you have that side of things with, with I mean, the left, and then also kind of draws in the left as well. Because people are like, oh, this is a left libertarian idea. So you have a lot of people being pulled from the left. And when, when I say left, I mean how Hoppians or the NRX define the left, uh, or, or, you know, or more of the egalitarian side of things or whatever. <laughs> which, yeah, I was about to say, like, which, which version of the left are they? Yeah, right. So it'd be more the egalitarian one. So this is where you get a lot of commies and socialists kind of, I think, stream into the agorist bent. And also, I think one of my biggest criticisms, and I don't even remember if uh, Konkin ever actually made this one, is that they use the moral argument against politics, which I don't think I, I can never. I've tried. I've tried. I've tried to wrap my head around the moral argument of how it's immoral to utilize the political uh, process at all. And I cannot wrap my head around it. Maybe it's because I'm at my core an egoist and to me, morals are all just a dumb spook, but like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I just can't wrap my head around a consistent moral philosophy uh, that that would make it so that, you know, like a, say a self-defense. Because like I don't know, one way to put it would be like if I took a fucking gun and put it to your wife's head and then some stranger and I was like, pick one. Like, if anything, I think it would be immoral not to pick your wife. And that but that at its core is kind of what voting is. So like because of voting is a classic example of like what people use and be like oh it's immoral to utilize political power in any way and i'm like i can't i can't even wrap my head around that i i, I that's why i always make the argument that it's like it's just like i come from the it's not useful like and and it's also not as simple as just like it's not really i know everyone's like you know the self-defense argument my argument would be like well you know really if you want to do self-defense you would just not vote i just people get tricked into the idea that 
I have to vote to be in my best interest or whatever, you know? So I don't know. I, I, that's for me. I, it is irritating uh, how some, they do get dogmatic. I, I don't know. I, and I also equate it to a lot like the atheists, like, cause I, I always equate it to like angry atheists. Cause whenever you first become an atheist, there's this period of time where you're like, I know the truth. Yeah. And you're like fucking annoying. There's, there's, you know, this, there's this one guy that's like in all, like all of our like live streams, uh, like H reared, rear or reared or something. And, oh, and yeah, yeah I, I don't even know why Like he's, he's one of those like angry atheist types. And he'll come onto like most of my live streams and start spouting off about like all the, like, like cliche like atheist arguments about like well this in the bible god did and it was evil and this and it's just like dude like i'm like i had somebody on my show who did that yeah i was like like, like, <laughs> but like yeah, with your show it's a, like, like at least you, with your show it's like you're not explicitly religious i'm like dude like what part of biblical anarchy was confusing to you like what did you what did you show up expecting from from, from this stream then you're going to come in here and so it's like i i, I don't get it but it's like uh, but to be fair, like there are some Christians who do that too, and that's been part of my criticism of some of the Praxians is how much they'll be like the uh, the angry Christians. It's just like, oh, libertarianism has an atheist mm. problem, and it's like uh, this was part of my conversation with uh, Adam earlier, which that's going to drop tomorrow. Which was just like, I mean, like I'm I'm very religious, but I I don't think it's I think it's like peak autism to go around and like be like everyone needs to stop talking about libertarianism and we need to make everyone christian it's like oh cool no christian in history has ever had that idea we've never <laughs> tried that before <laughs> like yeah that's my biggest uh that's probably my biggest concern of the practicing side of things is the focus on religion and i'm not even saying this to be like a cringe atheist uh i'm just i actually see a lot of value in it and i but i think there needs to be a clear-headed way of looking at it like i i call it religious maximalism like I am perfectly of the opinion that you should be able to like, I, I think it's actually great to foster, you know, Christianity uh, like those types of cultures. Cause I do think those are cultures in which libertarians can thrive, but at the same time uh, to have this like maximalism idea of it, it's just kind of pointless, which uh, I forget. I wanted to tie into something, but this kind of works in multiple things. Uh, it's been one thought I've been thinking about lately is I find the, the do not comply shit. I find that to be a little bit dogmatic lately. I don't know if you guys agree. Uh, Cause we were talking about he people heckling you in your live chat type thing. And I think it might even been a Reardon guy. I don't know, but uh, I, I got shit because I've been kind of as of late here and there been kind of, I honestly find it kind of dumb that don't comply no matter what idea. Cause it's like, I, and I get it that this is a very important issue, but I also at the same time, it's like, say for example, you're in a situation cause everyone's situation different. I think if you can not comply, you probably shouldn't comply. Uh, but I also am of the opinion that like some people, maybe you should just in the same idea that, you know, it, maybe you shouldn't be like, you know what? I'm not paying taxes here because fuck the government. Like you might ruin your entire life. <laughs> like, like why do that? Uh, I, 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 and I, I, I don't know. It's almost coming off as dogmatic as of late. I don't know if yeah. you guys agree. Cause it, it, like I put out a tweet a while ago that the, uh, Oh, you're just getting the poke to fucking feed your your wife and kid or feed your kids is become the the libertarian equivalent of they just want to get a haircut, which is like <laughs> and it's kind of true. Like, but the, the the weird thing is though, it's like when they say, "Oh, you just want to get a haircut," you're like, well, "That's ridiculous." When you say, "You just oh, you just want to feed your kids," like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's kind yeah, of a I big deal, and I get it. Like, 
this can uh, cause issues with liberty, but it like to apply a hop, it's a time preference thing. Like some people have high time preferences for a reason because their current needs outweigh their future projected needs. Right. Like I want liberty in the future, but if I'm in a situation where my current needs outweigh this theoretical future possibility, I'm sorry. <laughs> like it's just how it works. And oh, yeah. I, I, I don't know if you guys agree. And a lot of people like, like ask Matt about that when I brought it up, but it's like, they're not even saying people should comply. I think if you cannot do it, you should. Just yeah. like that's the, that root what agorism is. When you cannot comply, don't comply. <laughs> like, that's all the agorism is. But we're also we're agorism. Agorists aren't this like straw man. I guess maybe some of them are because some of them are pretty idiotic, as we've said earlier. But in my head, the way I see agorism is not this like, uh, oh, I'm gonna go live in the woods. I'm gonna you know fucking grow my potatoes and I'm gonna, I'm gonna sell eggs or whatever like. No, it's just you. It's individual for each person. You push the boundaries as far as you possibly can. And this is why as I wanted to get it at some point with the whole Vin thing. I actually think uh, that's a great example of this, the shitty aspects of agorism and the people within it. Because I don't – like the I, one of the main concepts I got from agorism was I started seeing things more along a spectrum. And, and the idea of that, like, hey, no one's saying you have to go completely, go completely off the state whatsoever. You, you're going to not comply with anything. It's more like you do what you can. And so for someone to be like, oh, you're an armchair agorist, it's like, well, you're kind of defeating the point of agorism in some sense. Because the idea is to encourage you to continue to going down that route. And also there's not necessarily – it's completely subjective at what point is your stopping point for where you no longer feel comfortable. When does the, the cost outweigh the benefit or, or whatever? So, like – to call someone an armchair aggressor, like, well, you don't know the fuck they're doing. And also it's like, they could just be getting into it. They're, they're testing their boundaries. Like, I don't know. I, I think all these things. Kind yeah. of tied together. Well, well yeah. to, to be fair, if you're just testing the waters and seeing what they're doing, you shouldn't be starting a podcast with the brand agorist. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I still think that was a wrong way to look at it. I think he's actually it was. I mean, entirely it was, it wrong was... to be accusing people of being armchair aggressors because that's my whole point is I don't think there's any – it's completely subjective. There, yeah. the, the, it's not a – like the whole idea of aggressors in my mind, and Konkin went on about it too, is that it's not an all or nothing. You weigh your subjective costs and benefits. And so like you do what you can. Yeah. So. so so this comment goes along with you, Jose, and you're I'm gonna I'm gonna like one up your controversial take. Um so the, the comment just for the audio version, I'll read it. The do not comply thing is a pseudo reactionary action uh by people opposed to the regime. It's the fallacy of doing the opposite of the regime all the time. Take he's saying like take instead just take the logical position all the time. I like that. Yeah. So I I like that too. And you know, so I'm very like skeptical of the COVID vaccine for uh, a myriad of reasons, but I've also seen enough people get it and not have anything bad happen to them that I kind of also reject some of the, like the really like, you know, out there fear mongering about it. Um, I don't think it makes sense for me to get, but I kind of like in hindsight being 2020 kind of wish my dad would have gotten it because my dad has a lot of health yeah. issues and he probably could have prevented it. At least he probably still would have gotten it, but maybe he could have like not been hospitalized or not been hospitalized and had it get as bad as he did if he had gotten it. And I can even say, listen, the vaccine poses a risk. Like there might be side effects down the road, but my dad's already older and he already has lots of health issues. So like in that position, I think subjectively, like it would have been like a, uh, the vaccine would have been a better risk than going without it. And there's a lot of people especially in those risk groups where I think that's the right mm. calculation. So you can be like, you know, axiomatically against the mandate and 
like feel like I don't want to get the vaccine because I don't want to comply. But it's like, you know, for your own personal health, if it makes sense to do it, people shouldn't shame you for doing it if you feel like that's the best bet for you personally. Yeah. Yeah, we spent well, we spent all of 2020 telling people like, oh, we have the right to weigh our risks. Like that was the entire argument of the libertarian position on lockdowns was like, give people the, the ability to weigh their risks. If they want to go out and risk getting this virus, then they can go to church and they can go to restaurants and they can go to concerts and so on and so forth. And if they want to stay home, let them stay home. Same with the vaccine. It feels like libertarians have this blind spot that because the progressives are so in favor of the vax, that not only should they oppose the mandates, but they should oppose the vaccine itself. And like, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I got the vaccine. I'm obese. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a fat ass. And, and yeah, I could have spent. I could have. I could have spent. So I could have I mean, spent. I know exactly. I, I, I'm probably <laughs> HIV positive for all we know. Um, the. <laughs> The, I, I mean, I could have spent all of 2020 losing weight, but I didn't. I, you know, I, I, so what? Uh, so I didn't do that. I need to do the next right thing, and the next right thing for me was to get the vaccine because at the time, you know, that every every shred of of evidence, whether it was you know coming from the CDC or coming from, uh, you know, some, the right wing media or whatever, um, was that this vaccine is effective. Uh, and I've never been anti-vax. I don't, I don't really believe the, I don't really believe the, you know, if you get the, if you get any vaccines, you're going to have autism and whatever else. I already know, have I, autism. I, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're libertarians. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I think the, I think the I wish, liber- I wish vaccines caused autism because then I would like, I would be like mandatory vaccinations, make everyone autistic, libertarian utopia. Ushering J- Jacob, are you actually on the spectrum? Like, are, do you have autism? I can't. So I haven't gotten tested for it, but I'm like 99% sure I am. Like I got tested for ADHD, and I've taken self evaluations for for autism. And ADHD and autism are very like correlated with each other. Um, so I mean, uh, maybe milder than some, but yeah, I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. I'm on there. Okay. Yeah, I took it. I took a self evaluation. I got a 10, and the person who told me to take it got a 24, which like I think over 20 was sort of like the on the spectrum result. Which tells me, I guess I'm not on the spectrum, which is probably good. Like I, I, I have enough issues. I, I, I don't think, think I think I took, I took I think I took that same test, and I don't think I was over that limit, but I was like right up against it. Mm. So I was like, yeah, I'm probably like you know mildly on there. Not again, like maybe not as high as some people, but uh, uh, you know, probably a little bit on there. But I don't know. I mean, it's it's all like a lot of those tests and stuff. I always wonder how like you know. It doesn't really feel like hard science to me. A lot of it's very subjective. Yeah, exactly. Well, and yeah. and a lot of it's propaganda based, which is reason yeah. for reason for skepticism, obviously. Um, and you know, come to find out, like the vaccine isn't all that effective, especially at spreading the virus, which is all right. That's my biggest you know. problem with it. Is even like I'm not afraid of it killing me. I'm not afraid of the side effects. I just think if I have to keep getting it every six months, and the biggest benefit that I can like maybe charitably give it is that if I get it, my symptoms would be slightly less. That's really not enough of incentive for me to get it unless I was in a high risk group. Then I would be like, well, I'll get it because like I need every little bit I can. And my fat ass likes food too much to lose my sense of taste. So I do want to be perfectly clear. And I'm not even necessarily saying you guys are saying this, but I do think a lot of the do not comply folks uh, they wouldn't really classify this discussion within that because they're mo- most of them are seeing that as like do not comply in the aspect of uh, like if you are being forced by your job or something. If you decide mm-hmm. to take that personal risk, I would say 
to be fair to most people I've talked to, they would say like, oh, if you feel like you need it for that reason or whatever, sure. But if you don't need it and you're being like kowtowed into it by your job or whatever, that's when they're like, don't fucking do it. And uh, that's what I was talking about earlier. But I do, there is definitely, they, they, some people have been a little crazy with the, the VAC stuff. Although I don't feel like I've seen too much of it. I guess some people go Not crazy. too much, a, l- a little yeah. bit. But I yeah. also think like, here's the other thing. I told my wife, like, you know, if I ever got the vaccine, I, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't. So unless I needed to. So like when you were talking about like feeding your kids, I've thought about getting it because I was like, man, what if we need to like travel in an emergency and like that was like a restriction to be able to travel like that would that would fucking suck. But if it wasn't an emergency and I, I, I if I got vaccinated, I almost would still not comply with like the mandate or anything. We're like, oh, I could do this if I show the card. I'd still be like, no, F you. Like it's, it's not your, yeah. your, your, your damn business. So you well, can get the vaccine and still not comply with the the authoritarian part of yeah. the regime so here in minneapolis yeah. we don't have a citywide mandate but like most of the concert venues and stuff are asking for proof uh and i'm not i'm not showing it i've gotten refunds on concert well, tickets and stuff like that yeah um good for you i'm i'm not willing to go that far uh, as far as i'm concerned it's a personal medical document and i don't i don't want to contribute to that uh that like cultural phenomenon i guess yeah. um and you know i mean the the big comedy club here is not they're, they're super like do what you want and you know all the karaoke bars which is really what i care about they're 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 fine and nobody's wearing masks and stuff like it's it's pretty great like minneapolis is is an awesome city to live in if you need to live in a big city um because like everybody's pretty rational about it except for these stupid concert venues and and theater venues and stuff and i've had to give up tickets that i really wanted to go to but anyway yeah I like this comment. I think I put it up there because I, I agree that that's the other problem with like the whole COVID regime and also the woke stuff is people make it like their entire identity and, and everything they talk about is just mm. that one thing. So um, we're coming up here to the end here. There's one topic I wanted to get to a little bit. Maybe we can just briefly touch it here at the end. Uh, the other interesting thing between the three of us is that, uh, you know, Jose is an atheist. I'm like pretty hardcore religious. And James, you're you know Catholic, but then you also it's that it's of, that fortune teller thing again. Yeah, yeah, you you, <laughs> you, you you mix in a little bit of like postmodernism and sort of like a a weird view on morality that I guess is not. I'm not saying it's incompatible with Christianity, but it's yeah. not like maybe the typical Orthodox, uh, you know mixture of different things um and of course like i don't care because i'm not really dogmatic about any of this but i just i, I find that interesting that we're we're you know, there's like a spectrum from like jose like you're like in the middle uh james sort of like literally and also like kind of metaphorically because like and, and i'm probably the most adverse to some of the like i mean i can find value in egoism and fo- and value in postmodernism, but i'm probably more against it than the two of you are so i mean uh you know, Jose, you and I have talked a lot about like the the Sterner and postmodernism stuff. So maybe like you first explain like where you think the value in it is and connecting it to like the philosophy. And then James, I want to get you to talk about the value in that stuff and like where you connect it to like your views and like maybe where that ties into your religious views too. Uh, egoism. Okay, like so I don't have much to say about postmodernism. James probably have to say more of that. That's one dive I do need to take, but I have like heard some concepts of it and i've i always find it friendly but i don't want to put off any idea that i'm a postmodernist or anything like or even necessarily know what that means entirely sure. like it's so fucking vague even when i've heard i don't know how many podcasts of this postmodernism and i still can't give you a 
good definition of what it is, but it just kind of seems to be a different way of thinking, which seems very similar to like the Sterner stuff and shit like that. But yeah, I, I definitely don't want to put on any, any air to anyone. I'm some sort of postmodernist. I haven't read a single postmodern book. I want to eventually, but I have so many other fucking books to get to. But egoism, I don't know. I like it because it's a uh, for being an atheist. Uh, I, I, and honestly, I find it to be a good way to undergird principles in general. Um, like, because I'm essentially the way I see. I know a lot of people associate egoism with like communism, and it, it is kind of in some ways, but it's it's not. It's it's really a. It's more of a. It's kind of a. It undergirds your political philosophy in a sense. It's almost mm. a in moral philosophy in a weird way. I don't even know how to describe it entirely because it doesn't even believe in morality necessarily. It's literally – it's essentially Ayn Rand's concept that everyone gets asked mad about, but like rational self-interest. It's that applied consistently unlike Ayn Rand. Um, so like it is essentially just – that which isn't when your 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 interest is essentially for those who don't understand it it's uh it's it really is just a it and it sounds bad but it is a kind of a philosophy of selfishness but and that's kind of where it starts from but it sounds ridiculous but just like how ayn rand would put it like yeah. okay like it does yeah people are like oh well you can just go around and do everyone not even care about anyone else in the world but it's like yeah but that's not in your rational self-interest now is it like you have to interact with other people um, I don't know. I just like it to undergird it. I feel like it makes it a lot easier. Like I, I undergird it w- to my uh, fucking like ANCAP stuff because I, I like the NAP stuff like that. But I like the NAP because I see it as being to my benefit. And which is because what is to my benefit is what is to the benefit of society, in my opinion. So because and I think that the NAP is a good way for society to a good rule of thumb for society to live by. And if I want to uphold those values, or if I want people to uphold those values, the best way to do it, the only way I really have to do it as an individual is to, you know, essentially live those values and hope that people follow suit. So, yeah, I know it's Makes a little sense. bit roundabout, but, you well, know, and almost, I, go ahead, there's, like a, there's like a compatibility there between egoism and like human action, because it's like egoism is almost like it's like because sometimes like we've characterized it as like might makes right, which like some libertarians don't don't like that. But at the same time, it's sort of like, well, like if you don't do anything if you if you don't take human action on the things you believe in then they don't really exist in any meaningful way like if they only exist in your head then what's the point yeah it's kind of i I always use the egoism like uh, because i know people get caught up on the might makes right thing and sterner has a whole bit where he's talking about rights and he has like what he calls i think he calls them egoist rights uh and then so you have like egoist rights and you have like what are like normally like natural rights is what we'd usually use them as uh, in caps and the uh or you know whatever these are are fighting words (laughs) but the way i always explain the way he describes rights is uh it's more of it's a is ought thing because i mean i know a lot of people get caught up with like hoppa and how you can make it an is and cross the is ought divide i'm not entirely sold on that um but i mean with argumentation ethics or but anyways, it's a whole other thing. Uh, basically, the way like natural rights are is what ought to be. Like this is what ought to be. And when Sterner's describing his egoist rights, like might makes right, that is what is. So like you may not like it, but in the day, like if I go fucking kill my neighbor and take their property, if no one does anything about it, what use is? Oh well, that's against natural rights. It's of no use whatsoever. You're just, I mean, if if the community we're in doesn't care, or we don't even have a community. It means nothing. So it is when he says like might makes right, or he's describing egoist rights. He's describing what is. 
it's like, like saying it's like saying I'm not a witch while you're getting yeah. burned at the stake in the Salem witch trials. It's just like, okay, well, they thought cool. you were and they burned you down. So, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that, that, that's I don't know if you get caught up on that, but and it is a useful way to look at things and like this is what is and then this is what ought to be. So, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've done a whole for those interested. I've done a whole episode with Magnus Benvidia. We covered the Sterner. Uh, this was part of my Anarchist Handbook series. So that was the first one I did. I did the first one with uh, Magnus, and I think the second one was with Dave over Rothbard. But yeah, yeah, those so. were definitely check both those episodes out if you haven't yeah. yet. Uh, James, your little bit, and then uh, I'll close this up. Yeah, um, I don't consider myself a postmodernist, really. I think I did for a while until. Uh, until my fortune teller told me that I wasn't one. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I, I uh, what, how to describe this. So for me, like postmodernism is an era, not really an ideology. It's um, oh yeah, like sense. Foucault and Derrida and uh, their, their successors and predecessors were more describing, were describing um, the is rather than the ought um, hmm. to, you know, get back to that uh, way to put it. And that's kind of why earlier I said, you know, we're either entering an era or we're on the down slope of an era. Um, we're either exiting the postmodern era or we're like finally getting into the like right at the right. It's right. Integral into theory it. you're dropping on us a little bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> so so there's that. Uh, I think that the postmodernists had a lot to say that were good things, things along the lines of like, you know, there's infinite ways to look at anything to perceive anything. Um, I definitely agree with that. Uh, but then, you know, back to, back to what Jose was saying earlier about like the, the many paths to Liberty, like there are more and less useful ways to look at things. Um, yeah. so I, I, I think that that's one thing that I've kind of evolved on in the last year or so. Um, I still see morality as something that is, more aesthetic than objective. So there's definitely, that's definitely something that I would kind of disagree with like Orthodox Christians on. Um, but there again, like there are certain, there are cer certain moral values, like, you know, don't, don't kill, don't molest kids. Don't, um, don't steal from people uh, that it makes for a well-run society. And so when you allow these things, then, then, you know, your society breaks down. Um, don't, don't, counterfeit the money for instance like don't don't be don't don't be uh uh debasing your gold um yeah so so i i hate to call myself like utilitarian either though uh so so you know i mean it's a, it's a bad taste to it doesn't it i know it does uh i yeah i i first heard about sterner and egoism from someone in thad russell's internal facebook group and i have always kind of been really sympathetic to rational egoism um i'm not sympathetic to ayn rand i think she was terrible but sterner is pretty of it. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly well ayn rand was a shitty version of everything that's the reason yes. <laughs> like so ayn rand ideologically and the atomic bomb praxeologically is that right like the the praxis of modernism is what ushered in the postmodern era like we the the atom bomb was when scientists stopped asking why are we doing this and they only took into account that we have the ability to do this they stopped looking at the morality of what they were doing and ayn rand um took this took this like beautiful 
free market place of ideas and like uh, the, the, you know, free speech and all this stuff. And she, and she made it like an absurd caricature of it. Um, so I think that they both were that these two things kind of interchangeably or uh, sorry, intertwined brought in the, the postmodern era. Um, the modern era came to an end because of these like absurd, deadly, dogmatic, uh, cultish, things so that's why that's kind of why i've sympathized with postmodernism as an ism um but like i said i see it way more as an era than than a philosophy at this point in my in my sort of journey i guess um so yeah that's where i'm at on morals i if i happily say that i grew up catholic and that i am not like an apostate catholic who hates the church uh, I think that the Catholic faith is the fullest, purest, most beautiful, and goodest. Not to, not to, uh, I don't want to say best. I mean, like the fullness of goodness. Yeah. Um, in, in not just Christian faith, but religious faith. Um, although, you know, orthodoxy is also very nice. I guess. Yeah, there's something uh, it's weird because I have a lot of theological and philosophical di disagreements with Catholicism and Orthodoxy, but there's something enticing and beautiful about them that like I'm drawn towards. So it's a it's a bit of a a love hate <laughs> relationship for me. But yeah, I think there's there, there's something there, and it's like I mean, I've tried to reconcile the like I don't know, like cut the baby in half, I guess so to speak, yeah. <laughs> uh, with like Actually, the objective versus subjective morality, where it's like I think there are objective moral laws in the same way there's like objective ways to do math, but then like life is a landscape of just like different situations that like you're gonna have to subjectively evaluate how to use those principles or like playing chess yeah. where like there's only a certain limited number of moves you can play in chess but then like you have to evaluate the situation and it's a little bit more subjective to know what's the best move or strategy at this point in time so it's i don't know that's the way i look at it at least maybe it's just we went to a we went for <laughs> we went to a funeral this morning um for a friend it was a it was a, a lutheran funeral um which you know i mean it's kind of like halfway between catholic and evangelical free church or whatever uh but after like as we were leaving my partner and i hope i'm not telling tales out of school but my partner told me like you know it, with whatever influence you have over my very non-influenceable family if you should happen to still be in my life when i die i don't want a priest at my funeral and i'm the exact opposite like i i, I don't necessarily want like the massive christian burial um, but I certainly want a priest to like MC the thing um, just because it feels right to me. And neither one of us is hostile towards faith or the church or anything like that. Um, so it's, it, you know, I mean, it's, I don't really know why I'm telling that story other than the fact, like I want to illustrate like sort of my, my, uh, my affection for the faith that I grew up in and uh, that it continues. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I'm sure I had something else to say, but I can't remember what it was. Yeah, there's something there. And I'm, I'm actually having uh, Carrie Baldwin on the show, I believe, next week uh, to talk a little bit about the church. Because I, I don't know, I feel like there's something, there's definitely something broken about Protestantism and the, the endless splintering that's happened since the uh, the Reformation. And the church has lost its way. Like, like all, and it's just, to me, it's like, I mean, and, and 
you know, maybe, you know, Jose might agree at least to a certain point, not from a religious perspective, but just like a, like evaluating it from a more pragmatic utilitarian perspective that I, I feel like a lot of what we need to see in our culture change to, you know, see more advances towards liberty needs to be the church stepping up and taking more of a role to fill the needs that people think they can only get from the state. Like, I think the church has to be that light and salt in the, in, in the world and do the, the great commission that Jesus told them to do, which is to go be fisher of men and to, you know, serve the least of these. And I think part of why we have ended up where we're at is because the church hasn't lived up to its calling. So I don't know, something, something there to, to ponder on at the end, but uh, we're getting close to way, way past than what I wanted to go, but I want to riff off some James head real quick. I had a good thought uh, before we end. Uh, And I had meant to bring it up earlier. You mentioned utilitarianism and like, that's kind of in a sense what egoism is. If you really think Mm -hmm. about it, like a rational way of evaluating everything to some extent, I think utilitarian, there's nothing wrong with utilitarianism. The problem is whenever people think of utilitarianism, they're thinking of shitty utilitarianism because people will always (laughs) use, say, say for example, people, Dave will always use the example of like, well, I'm a human being and I have so many organs. And if we're in a community and there's some people who need organs, like, why don't they just kill me and take my organs? And then, you know, like, yeah. it'll help that many people. But it's like, okay, but yeah, on like one order of like action, sure, that very basic level, you can be like, yeah, utilitarianism is stupid. But it's like, well, if you fully apply the logic of utilitarianism, like, what other possible effects of setting a precedent of we can just kill people and steal their organs does that set for a larger society? It's like not looking at it. You have to, you have to, you have to look at it with a low time preference to be like, yeah. you know, like what, what's going to happen, the, the long-term ramifications there. I think the beautiful thing about libertarianism is that it's a moral and a utilitarian philosophy right like if it didn't if something's not utilitarian like if it's really great in theory but it doesn't work well then it's kind of useless and that's kind of like the egoist i actually i actually think it's shitty theory too then if your theory doesn't work in practice it's shit theory like that's kind of the idea of theory which is like common rhetoric i hear in the liberty movement as of late like well maybe we shouldn't be so principled or maybe theory's dumb it's like well you probably have shitty theory or you need to rethink your principles i don't know what to tell you because if they're not working then they inherently are bad theories or principles so like exactly yeah Yeah, i agree cool all right um uh jose and uh jose first then james uh guys plug your shows and the stuff you're doing again if you have any upcoming guests or something to plug to do that uh no way jose is the name of my show i'm on youtube i'm all the major podcatchers i'm on odyssey as well i just got nuked off twitter but there's a cool guy you should go check out at at 2020 (laughs) no way jose uh but yeah that was really bummer i like i i, I had almost four thousand followers which is like you're starting to get in that sweet spot you're like yeah. oh, it's pretty cool like i i can i can i'm a mover and shaker to some extent but now i'm back in like the thousand range and it sucks but <laughs> um knock back yeah, out of my level <laughs> yeah i think uh next week uh i don't know which ones will be dropping public i just did a quick little like uh uh, I did a Hawkeye Anarchy. I did a solo episode. It's only like 15 minutes, so I'm kind of use it as like an intro to my Anarchist Handbook episodes. Uh, I think I'm going to do Plunk It with Top next week and record that. I'm going to do a Dune stream soon. I know we were talking about getting James, but I wanted to hit it. Hit Strike It Was Hot, and I don't think you're going to finish the audiobook in time. Yeah, yeah. But if you right. finish the audiobook before Thursday, uh, then you, you can hop on that stream. So, uh, yeah. Hey, 
Hey, uh, Road to Providence, follow, you said follow me back. I have a shitload of follows right now. So, and the way it works on Twitter, people don't know. It's like you can't follow too many people back at once. Or it'll, or it'll, it'll make Twitter think something's up and it'll suspend me. It'll put me in timeout. So I can only follow so many people back at a time. And I'm working on it. Uh, shoot me a DM and I'll, I promise I'll DM, I'll follow you back. I don't care. I'll send you. I'll send you his. Uh, I'll send you his info. Yeah, I'm a fallback whore. I don't care. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's all the plugs I got. Yeah, I can't think of anything else. So. Cool. All right, James, Great. go ahead. Yeah, so blackbirdpodcast.com or Blackbird with James Gentleman on all your favorite podcatchers. Uh, I think there's like three podcasts called Blackbird, so just look for my name. Um, and then uh, I've got a couple of projects coming up. I'm going to start doing web development. If you have a business or a podcast or anything that needs a website, hit me up. Uh, I'm also starting a business directory of liberty-oriented businesses because all the ones that we have suck. Uh, and then also I work for Renegade University, Thad Russell's big project. Black Friday is going to be a huge blowout. So be looking at renegadeuniversity.com. Um, I, I, he's not paying me for this, so I probably shouldn't plug it too much. Um, but there's like discounts galore along with uh, packages and things like that for Black Friday. Uh, I think it starts on Thanksgiving at midnight. So just go to renegadeuniversity.com for that. Um, all kinds of courses and stuff. Cool. There you go. All right. And then uh, obviously... Daniel Three Biblical Anarchy. If you guys are watching this and you want to subscribe, that'd be cool. Uh, next week, twenty third, I have Kerry Baldwin coming back on the show. We're gonna talk about the church and also kind of like abuse in the church, like relationships, and then like the church moving forward, trying to reform it, um, uh, or, or or maybe unreform it is the right word. I don't know. <laughs> the uh, we need we need the anti reformation, I guess. Uh, and then the thirtieth, I have uh, Andrew from Popular Liberty coming on and. Uh, I don't know. I I, I kind of have a plan for that conversation, but with Andrew, sometimes I feel like, you know, <laughs> you can try to control the conversation, but it'll just go a different direction. But I don't know. That'll be a fun conversation too. Um, and that's all I have coming up that I'm aware of. So, um, yeah, thanks everybody for uh, watching. Thanks Jose and James for uh, coming back on. Uh, love talking with you guys. Love your guys' show. Obviously, my people watching who subscribe to me, if you haven't. Uh, subscribe to their shows yet definitely do a lot of great content go check out james and conversations and yeah definitely check out it james has had tom woods on which uh you know that's, that's i'm, I'm still jealous about that <laughs> um so definitely go check that out and uh yeah that's it until next time everybody uh don't fear the fire bye you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big. 